0: You're listening to the Heat Factory Podcast with Owen Robb and Professor Dr. Rob Stevens, Ph.D. Owen
1: and I are here with Luke River Morsa of Celia's Network. He's one of our favorite content creators and a guy who has been grinding hard at making content for a long time now. Luke's super happy to have you on. Before we got on the episode, we were talking a little bit about who you are as a person. And I'm going to pick up that conversation because I want the people to hear So you're from Jersey, right? Yeah. Yeah. I live in South Jersey. And you're there for grad school or is that where you grew up or both?
2: Uh, I've been living in Hamilton my whole life and just so happens that the grad school I'm going to opened up a remote location for my major specifically in Hamilton. So I'm going to grad school five minutes from my house. What's your major? Uh, Mental health counseling.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. So I have have an under...
2: I have an undergrad in, um, in psychology, just general. And then my master's degree that I'm going for is counseling specifically. And how long, how much longer do you have? Are you Um, about another year? It's, it's a two year approximately program. So if everything works out, it takes two years. So
1: I have one more year. I just finished my second semester of it. Any intersection, any, any ways in which that helps you with playing Pokemon?
2: Yeah, for sure. Every month or maybe two months or I'm kind of slacking, I should probably get one out. I do a video that kind of incorporates a little bit of philosophy or mental health or psychology because I do get some requests for it since it's not really a topic that's talked about too much. So the videos aren't as popular as my pokemon tcg videos so if like you search through the archives for them you'll see the views definitely aren't the same as like if i'm talking about the next big tier one deck or this is the meta call for x tournament but i did a couple that i like one was like talking about burnout in the game because i got a lot of requests about how do you play the game for 20 years and not get burned out or how do you go to league cups every weekend and not hate the game um so I talked a bit about burnout and like realizing what your goals are and that your goal doesn't have to be to get to worlds or day two worlds or win worlds or get this many points just because that's what a fair amount of the competitive community is doing. Maybe your goal is just, you know, get top eight at elite cup or even just build a new deck to play with friends at your kitchen table. Like the, the game is meant to be enjoyed and everyone doesn't have to have the same goal. So I, I went into that a lot and I do that kind of thing every now and again in videos. Awesome.
1: Awesome. We're going to try to get to know you a little bit here in this podcast. Sounds good. Let's start with your history in the game. Okay. When did you start getting into Pokemon in general and the TCG specifically? However old
2: I was when Base Set came out, I'm 25 now. So I guess I was five or six or so when base set and jungle and all those were coming out. So I watched Pokemon the TV show and I thought the cards were cool. So my mom would buy me cards. I distinctly remember opening up and learning how to play with that starter deck that came with the first edition mod champ that like everybody got, even though it said first edition on it. Right. You probably know which one I'm talking about. Oh yeah. So I, I specifically remember that, starter deck learning how to play with that with like half decks or whatever and like being five or six trying to the biggest problem for me understanding the game was I specifically remember Ma chops attacks he had like one energy for 20 and two energy for 30 and understanding that if I added more energy than he needed it didn't make the attacks do more damage so like but that was when I learned how to play the game right right there when the game was really new I probably wasn't playing everything correctly because I was like five or six or whatever, but that's when I
1: started getting into the game. Awesome. And when did you start getting more into competitive scenes?
2: So my first actual like organized play tournament was winter. Oh, six, oh seven. I think it was January right after Christmas or January, 2007. It was a city championships, at a hobby shop called Jester's Playhouse, which is not there anymore. And it was uh, the tournament organizer was Michael Martin, PokéPop. You might know him. He's a pretty uh, important figure in the Judge community in Pokémon. Uh, so I was lucky enough to be in a tournament with a guy who really knew what he was doing running it. That was my first competitive tournament. Basically, my family had just moved, and when we were unpacking, we found all my old cards, and I got back into it again after not being into it for a bit and uh, my mom bought me a bunch of dragon frontiers cards for christmas so i built a for alligator ampharos delta species deck called up my friend i was like yo we're getting we're going back into pokemon we went to this tournament got absolutely slapped and i've been going to tournaments ever since
1: nice
0: what deck did you actually take to that very first uh city that city championship so it was remember
2: yeah it, it was it was the for ampharos delta species and I'm trying to remember, I believe the theme deck that it was built like upon was, I believe it was for alligator. I can't remember if it was for alligator ramp Frost actually came in that theme deck, but the theme deck was built around one of those Delta species stage twos. And then I pulled copies of the other in packs, And then I just went online and ordered more of the evolution line, more of, more of support Pokemon, more supporters and stuff like that. And, uh, built a standard legal deck because up until that time me and my friends weren't really playing standard legal decks we were just playing like you know sometimes we would play like only the new sets and stuff like that but no real format and we were just kind of combining the best cards we had and stuff like that so I was really familiar with how to build a deck at that time just not how to build a
0: standard legal deck do you remember what your first standard legal deck was
2: yeah, it it was that deck,
0: the one that I took to the tournament. Oh, so you so you updated it and made it standardly. Yeah, basically.
2: exactly. Yeah, so with the cards I got for Christmas, like previous to that tournament, I just made the theme deck a little better, ordered cards for it, stuff like that. So it was a cohesive deck with a real strategy. Like I think Ampharos made all of your Pokemon Delta species, and then for Alligator made all of your Delta species Pokemon do ten more damage or something like that. So it definitely had a cohesive strategy it was just kind of lacking draw support
1: which i think every beginner's deck lacks i think that's just kind of the thing cool and in terms of your tournament history you know so obviously we we often everybody kind of gets swamped their first tournament or their first sort of competitive mm-hmm. experience what about in recent history maybe the last i don't know 3 4 years what was the i'm sure you've had a lot of successes but what was the worst tournament you've had and why do you think that tournament went badly
2: Interestingly enough, I just wrote an article on my Patreon about growing as a player because a lot of people have been requesting it from me or my patrons at least about how to like grow, go from average to like succeeding. Sure. And when I, I call this like the last time I got back into Pokemon in summer 2016, because I was in and out of the game so many times in the past, like 19 years. Um, and the last time I got back into it and stayed into it was about four years ago. And okay. uh, Philly Regionals 1617, I was like working on this rogue deck and trying to perfect it. And like, you know, the deck that beats all the decks kind of thing. Everyone's done it at some point. But like my problem was I did not have enough time to build a perfect deck and Practice with it and make sure I like test it and practice and everything. So I kind of just did like one third of the job and made a pretty good anti-meta deck. And I played so poorly in that tournament. I, I had a deck that I really think could have done well. It was like it was Mega Manetric, Mega Septile EX. Dylan Bryan had put out an article a couple days prior to a really similar variant that I took some influence on to a deck that I was already building. But I just played so poorly and. Um, My main thing, this is a misplay that like people in the community will remind me about from time to time, whether it be my friends or my family or even Will Post will bring it up every now and again because he was judging that tournament. I said pass instead of saying flash ray with my Joltiani X. I just said pass (laughs) and I was sitting at like. Probably 3 1 or 301 or something, and it turned this win into a tie. But I just said pass instead of saying flash, right? And it just like time stopped and i remember going out outside into like the venue hall where nobody was and just like punching the floor i was just so upset <laughs> and uh, people that know me know i'm usually pr- fairly composed i was just so frustrated with myself like how could you say pass instead of flash right like i see this the resemblance but <laughs> right <laughs> so that was probably my worst Tournament experience in recent history, but I actually think it was really pivotal in bringing me to where I am today.
0: Okay, since we talked about your worst tournament experience, let's talk about your your breakout tournament. Do you remember what your breakout tournament was?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. So it was that same season. I guess that the tournament I just talked about was like September, October, and then in May. Virginia regionals I think it was Richmond regionals so 2016-2017 standard sun and moon was the newest set and that was kind of where I had snapped from that tournament that was really disappointing for me in Philly regionals and I realized I want to be more focused in this game like I've loved this game for a long time I've been competing in it for a long time but I know there's players out here that are more dedicated and have this as a priority and i had other priorities and i was like you know what we're making pokemon the priority now i'm focusing on this i want to do well and i picked up evil tall garbodor over the winter and spring being fairly local to frank diaz and he was an amazing evil tall garbodor player i kind of took influence from him even playing the mirror match with him and stuff like that and i really just that was when i kind of built who I am as a player that really shows in my content with the matchup spreadsheets and the meta predictions and all of that, it all kind of culminated into preparing for Richmond regionals. So I practiced evil tall Garbador for months and I made like handwritten matchup spreadsheets and meta predictions and how much does this tech weigh in this matchup and just really getting concrete ideas of how every matchup should go and what I need to do to win those matchups. And I ended up going either 6-1-2 or 6-2-1, bubbling out of day two. I can't remember, but it was back when you could have 19 or 20 points and still bubble day two. I think I I, think I was 6-1-2. I ID'd my final round with Ryan Sablehouse, and I didn't make it in, but I did get money because back then Top64 got money. But... That tournament, I went in so confident, like knowing I can win every matchup as long as I don't dead draw, and I know what I need to do for every matchup, and I prepared my deck the right way, and I didn't misplay things like that. And it was just a tournament that, for the first time, I knew what I was doing with everything, and it paid off. And even though I didn't day two, like I still got pretty far, and it was really,
1: really rewarding. So, you have really made a name for yourself in the last few years. I mean, when I met you, I met you at that ARG tournament. I want to say two, three years It was 2018,
2: back. right before Worlds 2018.
1: Yeah. And at that point, I, I didn't know who you were. I played your mom, mm-hmm. actually, in that tournament and didn't know, you know, weren't aware. And then we met and we started talking. And shortly, I think, thereafter, you started Cilios, or maybe you had already started. And shortly thereafter, I just yeah. became aware of it. But what made you decide to go into content creation at that point? And um, how do you think you've sort of risen up to the top and become one of i think the the more popular content creators out there.
2: I actually started September 2017, I want to say. Okay. So I had never gotten a worlds invite at at the start of as of the start of 1718 season. I had actually just quit my band that I was touring with right before summer 2017 and that was like kind of the last thing that was like keeping pokemon from being my main priority and i had always been telling my friends like i should start a pokemon youtube channel because i had a lot of built up knowledge that i just had to kind of uh, polish from being in the game for so long right and i knew like if i kept playing i would be growing as a player and i kind of wanted to document it a bit and just share kind of my like how I enjoyed looking at the statistical side of things as well. So in September 2017, I want to say when the 17-18 season started, I started my channel and basically I started doing what I do right now. The meta discussions, but the meta forecasts were just more by myself and looking at statistics, the deck profiles, gameplay, the forecasting of will this card be good in the meta kind of thing. And I started that, (laughs) funny enough, I started it on a channel that I a YouTube channel that I made with my school email address so the channel name was just Luke Morsa my name and I couldn't change it because it was a school email address and I had like 150 subs or something and I just (laughs) I had to delete that channel and make Celio's network because I couldn't change the name right so I think Celio's network officially says on YouTube that it started November 2017 but I made it because I love talking about Pokemon TCG And my friends who were in it more casually, like I would just talk their heads off about like, I would, they would ask me a question about why is this card in the deck? And I would talk for an hour about it. And I just wanted to make a, I just wanted to make videos and see if people actually wanted to listen to that, like me go off about, well, this is the reason why this brings your matchup percentage up 5% or whatever. And we've kind of just Went from there. Uh, I don't know if you want like more specific things on what I've done
1: since then, or yeah. Well, I'll ask about that. For, let me ask you this though: Why? What is Celia's? What? Why Celia's? I never know the answer to that. So Celia's network is a
2: card from Fire Red, Leaf Green. that's a supporter card that is the same as I think Trevor is another one. It just searches your card for a Pokemon. That's all it is. But back then, it was actually heavily played because searching your card for just any Pokemon was actually good on a supporter. So I think it's fire, red, leaf, green, and it might have also been printed in Crystal Guardians, but don't quote me on that. So yeah, it's just a supporter card. It's a picture of a guy with blondish brownish hair and glasses. So it kind of resembles me roughly. And I, it it was kind of that thing where I said in the summer, I, like my friends were telling me I should start a YouTube channel. And I was just like, yeah, "Yeah, I guess if I started one, I just call it Celio's network, like, you know, there's rare candy that's named after a card. It's pretty cool. You know, magic channels name themselves after cards. And I think Celio's network sounds like kind of what I want to do. Like I wanted to make like a network of resources for people, which I'm still roughly working on. I've been off and on trying to decide if i want to make a website or not but there's so many great websites out there but basically i wanted my youtube channel to be a resource for players of varying skills just kind of like a network of different kinds of resources for getting into competitive and enhancing your game
0: can you go over some of those resources that you have do you have like deck profiles or meta analysis etc yeah
2: for sure so there's a lot of different kinds of videos and series that I think I've started and ended and brought back over the two and a half or so years that I've been doing this. Basically, I think I started out with meta discussions and meta forecasts, which I've just culminated into meta gaming in general. And I've really, really enjoyed doing meta forecasts, which is where on my channel, at least the meta forecasts are usually where I sit down just by myself. I bring up this Google sheet of statistics from past tournaments and I show my expected performance for all the decks and expected popularities for the future tournaments. I've made a matchup spreadsheet that you, you put in your matchup scores and it spits out a meta score with a weighted average and stuff like that. So that's what I really enjoy doing the meta forecast where I just get to sit down with numbers and explain what they mean. But I realized that like, when I first started my channel, nobody really knew me. I didn't have a lot of results. Um, the people that did knew, know me were kind of from the East Coast area, but I didn't have like a lot of results to back. Well, this is why you should listen to me about these numbers. So I started the meta discussions where I brought in either players that I didn't know some of them and I became friends with them through the meta discussions uh, like Rukan Shal and Russell Lepar. At, it's kind of crazy because Russell Lapar was someone that I looked up to because of someone's PC and everything. And I was like, wow, I want to do something like that one day and then having him on the channel was just insane but i brought these other play i brought these other players on that had a name in the community that had a reason to listen to them because like a thing that i ask people when they're coming on like as long as you have a reason why people should listen to your opinion on the meta or this deck or whatever yeah sure come on So I I started doing that kind of to get the channel a little bit more of a footing. And also because I didn't think enough channels were doing meta discussions the way I would like to do them. Over the time, my meta discussions have changed. If you go back and watch that first one with Russell and Rootcan to now as they progress. But I've wanted to kind of take the metagame discussions and actually talk about the chances of decks being played and stuff like that. Because a lot of times metagame discussions can turn into like, Oh, this deck's the best. And this is why I think it. And then someone else says, no, this deck's the best. And this is why I think it, which is a good discussion and people definitely want to listen to it. But I've just, I've just, tried to always stay true to what I built the channel on, which was like talking about the statistics and a little bit more of the deeper competitive stuff. Although people do like the flashy fun rogue decks and the the more casual stuff, which I definitely do on the channel. But I just always want to keep myself in check and make sure I'm keeping my roots of the more competitive stuff.
1: I think something people wonder about, about content creators, because I think on the outside, it looks like a super enviable job Mm -hmm. something that people would want to do but you know we found out and and anybody who's tried to be successful at content creation has found out that it's actually kind of a grind Mm -hmm. so talk to me a little bit about kind of what the ups and downs are and in terms of making content for you what do you really enjoy about it and what are some of the most challenging or annoying parts of it
2: okay so i would just like to encompass all the content so it's not just youtube um i, I used to write free articles on flipsidegaming.com where I, I was paid to write the articles but they were free for everyone I, sure. I do twitch streaming as well and i i just write articles now on my own patreon which is another thing um but all, all in all the all of the content i've tried my best to not let it ever feel like a job even though I am earning a small amount of money off of creating Pokemon TCG videos on YouTube. I I think the one of the challenging parts is to not let it feel like a job and not become consumed with getting the numbers up. Right. Which I think is I think anyone turning any hobby into making money off of it is going to come into that issue a bit. Something that's definitely frustrating is when I can put hours of work into a video, whether it be the research that goes behind it, the actual recording process, the editing, whatever it is, and that video only gets a couple hundred views. But then I put out a 10-minute deck profile that I put hardly any energy into on some rogue deck, and just because it has a fancy-looking card in it, it gets a couple thousand views. That, yeah. can, that can be very frustrating. Something I talk to w- with my friends a lot is I have to market this video as not being competitive and not being insightful and not making you think a bit to get people to actually watch it and understand that they'll like it once they're in there. Because I, I think a lot of my stuff is separated from the casual viewers a bit you know when i bring in the statistics and the competitive tournaments and why you right. need to play this in this deck kind of thing it's definitely separated from the people who just want to have fun with pokemon but one of my goals is to like interest the more casual viewers into the competitive stuff and like i said i want to keep my roots i don't want to just not really you know sell out because it's still pokemon tcg content i'm i'm enjoying making it no matter what it is but i i do like to try to keep A competitive undertone, even if it's a more casual video.
0: So Luke, so since you make a bunch of you make YouTube videos, do you remember what YouTube video was you basically your breakout YouTube video?
2: I want to say off the top of my head, it was the video I mentioned where I had brought Russell Lepar. It was Russell Lepar, uh, Rukan Shao and Alex Hill onto the channel to talk about it was uh, the St. Louis Regionals meta discussion. It was the first time I was doing a Regionals meta discussion with guests on the channel. Basically, I had asked Rukan Xiao, who's a local to me, but we weren't really like close friends yet. Russell Lapar, who at that time was like a role model to me, and we definitely weren't what I would consider friends yet but he was someone i looked up to in the community and i valued his opinion and then alex hill who was really into the competitive scene at the time and a great player who like had good name recognition and people definitely cared about what he said that was probably the video where people wanted to come back next time for the meta discussion kind of thing like that's where i kind of got the role as the guy doing meta discussions almost because then people came back for the next one for charlotte regionals with different guests and that got a thousand views and then the next one for roanoke regionals and nic meta discussion those definitely started going down in views a little just because more and more people start doing meta discussions but i think that was when people started Putting a little bit of value in my channel. Like, oh, okay, this is what this channel is good at. So I'll come back for those
1: videos. Owen and I often ask our guests a series of kind of funny questions, some related to Pokemon, some not. And we're going to do these sort of short form. So we'll ask you a question. And for each one of you, one of you answer in, you know, under 30 seconds, kind of. Okay, cool. All right. So the first one is, I'll just start with, what's your favorite Pokemon?
2: Dragonite. This, this answer kind of changes sometimes. I'll sometimes say Blastoise, but I, I think it's Dragonite and Blastoise is my favorite starter.
0: What is your favorite Pokemon game? It can be main series, it can be offshoots like Stadium and Snap, whatever.
2: Probably Pokemon Snap, because I, I think I enjoyed it the most at the time, but the one I played the most was Pokemon Diamond.
1: Snap blew my mind when it came out, and then I went and replayed it recently, and it was still great, but I don't know, it was magic when it came out.
2: I would love to see. uh, When the 3DS came out, I really wanted them to make one on the 3DS. It would have been perfect.
1: What is your order when you go to McDonald's?
2: Probably a double cheeseburger and large fry. I don't really go to McDonald's too often, but I guess that's what it would
0: be. What fast food do you usually partake in
2: Wendy's and Taco Bell, but I kind of I prefer to call Taco Bell a Mexican restaurant, but but, uh, Wendy's and Taco Bell, I think.
1: What instrument did you play and what was the name of your band that you were touring with?
2: So in that band, I played guitar and vocals and uh, the band's name was Clearview. And yeah, I play a bunch of instruments, but that was what I did in that band. Do you still play music
1: regularly, or is that kind of something you've left behind for Pokemon?
2: I pick up my acoustic guitar a couple times a month. I've been thinking about getting an electric drum kit because an acoustic drum kit is too much maintenance and stuff. Right. So when I pick up the acoustic guitar, I sing. And uh, usually in the summer, I am a choral director in a musical theater, but that's not happening this summer because of uh, the quarantine and everything. And what what kind of
1: music did Clear Lake play?
2: Clearview was, Sorry, uh, yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> Clearview was a uh, post-hardcore band. To just summarize it simply, kind of like La Dispute or Pianos Become the Teeth. The, kind of like the uh, the new emo wave of the early 2010s.
0: Nice. So, since you said you like Taco Bell, what is your Taco Bell breakfast order? If you've ever had it, I don't
2: actually know the names of the Taco Bell breakfasts, but I definitely ordered them, and they're all great. <laughs> I just, i'll take any of them I love that too
1: much <laughs> uh, i like to think that you just pull up to taco bell and you're like give me whatever's on the menu give me one of them yes <laughs> i want
0: uh what, you, what
2: would you yeah just throw
0: something in here i'll eat it let me get an egg and a hash brown and some of those cinnabites and yeah <laughs> wrap it all up in some cheese we're good to go <laughs> how do you feel
1: about the online tournaments going on in terms of how fun they are all that kind of stuff. And you can answer this a little bit longer if you want.
2: So as far as limitless online series goes, I think it's just incredibly commendable of what they're trying to do because this not some people remember it, but I did a fantasy tournament called Celio's no DCE open. Nice. Probably a little over two years ago and probably more people were into that at the time than were actually into my channel and because people were complaining about DCE, I was like, all right, let's toss up a tournament. I'm going to hold it on challenge.com through Discord. No DCEs allowed. Let's go. I I think I can actually say I experienced PTSD from holding that tournament. It was just so hard. It, it,
1: just the list
2: <laughs> of it. It, was, it, it? it was like pulling teeth to get people to play the rounds of the tournament they signed up to play. Oh. Um, it, it, cause it wasn't, um, the, my main fault, my, the downfall of that tournament was I did not charge an entry fee. So players were not held accountable to show up on time for their rounds and right. play their rounds in a timely manner and not complain and be just things like that. It was, I think it was around 150 people and we played double limbs until there was a top eight cut or something like that. But what ended up happening was we didn't play the top eight cut. And I just gave out prizes based on Swiss standings after top, after Swiss were Swiss was over because it took so much longer than it was meant to take. Like by the time we got to the top eight, people had lost interest just because I don't think my penalties and stuff were, strong enough for people having to reschedule their rounds and stuff like that, because I kind of jumped in thinking it would be really easy. But anyway, long story short, I've tried to run an online tournament before, and I think it's incredibly commendable of what Limitless is doing and that they're doing it so well. Of course, you know, the first qualifier had its flubs and had to be restarted, so we kind of had a test run, but that they were able to rally back and hold these massive 1,300-person tournaments on a very uh, lacking software that we have, like PTCGO. It's just been incredible. I've played in the first two, and they were really fun I don't necessarily love best of one or the standard format, but for what it's worth, I think limitless is doing a fantastic job with it. I've been playing in the Sunday open run by a UK tournament organizer named Neil, and that's been a lot of fun. I've played in a few of those, and that's just like a one-day tournament. You, it's a pack to enter, and then all the packs go into the pool, and that's been a ton of fun. Um, and Pokestats, which I'm part of the Pokestats team, has been holding old format tournaments, and I played in the 2014 one for that. And I, I love doing those because a lot of the old formats are a lot more fun and skill-intensive than the current standard. So Tate and Pete and everybody involved in those are doing a great job.
1: I have another question. We, a few months ago interviewed Kiernan team gas was hot. Is team gas still a thing or what's the status on that?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Team gas is a thing. They actually helped me with some of the, they, they helped me with some of the statistics for like a spreadsheet. I just put in my article and stuff, but yeah, I, teams are just really low right now because there's no actual competitive tournaments. Like, I think so. Lay from Team Gas actually was the highest placing ADPZ in Q3 of the online series last weekend. Uh, He placed 29th with ADPZ. We recently added Kenny Wisdom to Team Gas. You may know him from his commentating career with Pokemon and or his playing career, but we recently brought him on and he's been really great to have on the team. We've been working really well together. He played in Q3. I think he's playing in Q4 as well but not everybody on the team is either has the time to do the online stuff or is interested in playing online. And um, we kind of culminated together into a testing group when the season was still going on with cutter tap and we were working together and uh, we kind of had that, the deck that won Dallas regionals that Hunter won with. And that was like a cutter gas creation, I guess. And then uh, the, the, deck that hunter and frank i believe placed top 16 and top 32 and then i want to say nick and kieran day two with it as well the Mew cramorant box thing yeah the last expanded tournament i think it was the last expanded tournament i wasn't there yeah that was a cutter gas creation too so working with my team gas and then working with cutter tap as like a friendly like cohort kind of thing has been amazing and and we've been talking about it like it sucks that we were running really hot like hunter from cutter tap won the tournament with a deck that frank and him were working on and then our mu box did really really well in st louis and then the season just kind of ends right so that that was kind of disappointing but like we want to come back hot when real tournaments come back. And I know if at least a few of us are going to try to play in the player's cup, we didn't talk about that, but just thinking about the player's cup kind of hurts my head because it's starting in six days and we don't know any of the logistics about tickets and events and stuff.
1: Yeah. The logistics are very confusing. We started an episode about that and then we are sort of scratching it because
0: we scratched an entire episode because they had released the stuff on, what was it, like Wednesday or Thursday. Rob and I recorded the episode on Friday. And then they released more stuff on, t- more confusing stuff on yep. like Tuesday. And then Rob and I are like, uh, or no, Monday. And we're just like, uh, do we put it, this out for Tuesday? And we're like, nah, I don't think so. Well, because
1: they could release something the next day that would make the episode not make yeah. any sense. So we just, we're like. So how it. that's
2: been affecting me there unpredictable release of information i've been getting patrons and people in my discord and people on youtube comments whatever asking me can you talk about the players cup what do you think about it what is even going on like right (laughs) and i was going to but then they were releasing more information so we just had like three separate streams last week where we had like an hour or two of discussion on the stream like myself and the viewers about it and talking about new information and predicting what might happen and stuff like that so we just did live discussion on it with my community because i figured if i put this in a video i'm sure people watch it and have their thoughts but like six hours later there might be new information that invalidates the video
1: so i don't know totally understand that oh and you got anything else for
0: luke i think we've covered most of it do you think gas will ever pick up more people i'm just curious
2: I think it's kind of a large group right now, but I mean, I guess we're working well together. Like I'm not, I'm not like the leader of gas or anything the the, uh, captains, I guess, or the people that started it, or I think Tate and Kiernan are kind of like our leaders, but we're kind of like a, a non-leaderish group. I I don't know, but Kiernan and Tate started it basically. So wherever they want to take the team. It's up to them, pretty much. But we all have a, we all get a vote and stuff. But you know, the ideas that are brought up, whatever they want to do, I'd kind of just go with. I'm more of a fan of a very small testing group, but it's kind of become the exact opposite of that with Team right. Gas getting more members, and then we're like very friendly with Cutter Tap and work with them, and it's kind of become a larger thing, and I I haven't minded it so. Um, If it was my decision in the beginning, it would have been like five people, but I haven't minded with where it went at all.
1: Well, Luke, thanks so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure getting to know about you and Cilios and good luck with the channel. Um, I definitely enjoy the content. I definitely I don't watch everything you do, but I definitely watch a good number of videos. And I love especially when you get into statistics and your spreadsheets and that sort of thing. It's my favorite thing. It's very helpful before big tournaments.
2: Absolutely. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it. And yeah, that, that's my favorite too. Like I said,
0: why don't you plug your stuff for the people? What's up? I said, why don't you plug your stuff for the people? Let them know where you, they can find you.
2: Oh, sure. So, um, my YouTube channel, like we've talked about throughout the episode is Celio's network, youtube.com slash C slash Celio's network, or however YouTube works with the URLs, you'll find it. I stream semi-regularly on Twitch, same URL, TV slash Seelios Network. Um, my sponsor is PotownStore.com. They've been very great to me as a player and a content creator, even though the season is like somewhat canceled. PTCGO codes are booming right now, and that's their thing, so check them out if you need codes. And um, when the... When the quarantine and pandemic and everything kinda hit, the site I was writing for, flipsidegaming.com gaming.com, they're a brick and mortar store, like first and foremost. So they kind of shut down for a couple months and I had nobody left to write for. And I was thinking about starting up my own site or Patreon anyway. Um, so I started up a Patreon on a whim. So you can find me there at Patreon.com slash Celio's network and I write a few articles a month and you know, answer any questions the patrons have and make deck list updates and stuff like that. And that's probably all I have to plug.
1: Hey,
0: Robert, please plug our stuff for the people.
1: Thank you for listening to The Heat Factory. Remember, rate this podcast five stars on Google or Apple or to follow us on Spotify. It really helps. Thanks to Cole Friday for his song Hack, which you're listening to now. And our intro was by Frank Persick, who you can follow on Twitter at Pokey Persick. See you soon.